Well, good morning, Identity Church. Happy New Year. I, I know this New Year time, you know, every single year it just seems to just keep coming and going. We, we keep adding numbers up and up. I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and Mom and Dad might remember this, but I, it was 1983, so 40 years ago. <clears throat> we were sitting at my Nana and Papa's house, and I was probably, what, seven years old, something like that, six, seven years old. And, um, and I remember asking Dad and Papa and Mom, when will 1983 come back again? <laughs> I don't know. To me, it was like, well, there's got to be, an, it's got to come back, right? I mean, we're going to get 83 again, right? And the answer they gave me was, no, it's just going to keep going higher. And that just confused the heck out of me. And I remember those times because, you know, when I was a kid, I thought to myself, everything is going to come back. I'm going to have, you know, uh, the, the people that, you know, the people that I've been around, they're going to come back to me. If I, I'm going to always have the friends that I always had. I'm always going to have the good things, you know. Oh, it's like if Christmas could be every day. How, how many people had said when you were a kid, man, if Christmas could just be every day. They actually made a movie about it. And, and I remember that movie back in the 80s. It was really kind of an awesome movie because by the time you got to Christmas every single day, because you got the same presents. If it was the same Christmas, it just happened. It was like Groundhog's Day for Christmas, right? So you just had this over and over and over again. Well, you know, the, the thing about staying in the past or thinking, I want, to, I want to be back in 1983. You know, those are the things that kids can't comprehend. But I want you to know that during this time in 2023, moving into 2024 tomorrow, that God is wanting us to continue on. He's wanting us to create a culture of continuing. And one of the things about continuing is that means that we keep moving. We keep doing the things that God has told us to do. He never stops. He never repents of his callings. Do you know that when he doesn't repent of his callings, that means God's got a long memory. You know, if God's been around for infinity, you know, infinity, that means that he remembers everything for infinity. Right? I remember that thing about 1983. About That was 40 years ago. If you asked me to, to remember anything else from that day, I could have told you nothing. But see, this is one of the things that God does, is He doesn't forget the callings that He's put in your life. You may say, well, Dusty, I don't know if I have a calling. Oh, everybody has a call. Everybody is called according to the purpose. Now, you may be called to just be you know, mama or dad, or you may be called to, to go and, and be a witness in your job. That's great. But God is going to continually add more and more to you. You know why? Because we get the most fulfilled when we actually are doing something. It's like I've had lots of conversations. People tell me, I want to retire. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that, that worked for dad for like maybe a year. And then he was like, Huh? Six months. Six months. And then he was like, no. And now he works a part-time job full-time. So, I mean, it's like, it's like every day I'm like, where are you at? I'm at work. 
was like, I thought you didn't work today. Well, somebody called in, so I went in. So, I mean, Dad works as much as he did when he, before he was retired. You know why that's important? Is because purpose gives you something to get up and do. Purpose gives you the reason for living. If you ain't got a purpose, then why be here? That's, that's one of the things I think that kills most people is they don't have purpose. So God is constantly telling us in, us in his word to continue. Keep moving. Keep doing the thing that I told you to do because I didn't repent of it. I didn't change my mind about it. And one of the things I want you to understand is that he gives us lots of examples. And one of, one of the examples we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Everybody has a belief about that. I would say that most people have the wrong belief about it because you know, people will say, well, Paul had an eye disease. Or Paul had a problem with his feet because they broke his feet. Or Paul had this or Paul had that. Well, we don't know for, sure, for certain anything about Paul's condition, okay? We don't know if it actually was a condition, but we're going to see what, what the Word says about his condition. But see, one of the things I want you to understand is that Paul had something happen. He had lots of somethings that happened. And what did Paul do? He kept moving. He kept going. Paul didn't stop. You know, Nero killed the man. That was the only thing that could stop him. You know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of zeal that I want to have is that you'll have to kill me in order to stop me. I, I, I was expecting everybody to say yes, but me and Betty, we're going to go take on the world here. <laughs> Praise God, Betty. We're going to go out here and we're going to take on some people. But I mean, you would have, I mean, I want to be, have that much zeal to where it's like, I just, man, you'd have to kill me to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Woo, that's good stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about Paul today. We're going to talk about his thorn. And then I'm going to show you some stuff that Jesus showed. But one of the things that we've got to do if we want to understand anything about how somebody continued on is that we've got to get their background. We've got to understand what they believed about something. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, it says, and he's talking to people who have been Judaized. I, I, you know, when, when I was in Bible school, we, you know, Andrew Womack and all these other people that would teach classes, they used this term Judaizers when they started talking about the church during the time of Paul. So what would happen is, is you would have people who would get saved. And then all of a sudden, people from Jerusalem would come along and they would say, yes, you can be saved. You can go and you can believe in Jesus, but you also have to keep the law. Because they were turning him into a prophet. They weren't turning him into the Messiah. And so what they would do is they would say, here's the Levitical law. And in Corinthians, this was not a Jewish place. This was a Greek place. Corinth was sitting about 100 miles away from the Greek peninsula. And what we have to understand is these people didn't know the Greek, didn't know anything because they were Greeks about the Jewish religion. And then when Paul comes in, he starts preaching Jesus and that if we believe in Jesus, we can be saved. The Holy Spirit's dealing with them and they got saved. But then all of a sudden the Judaizers would come in and they would tell them, hey, you know what? 
that's all fine and good, but you need to also keep the feast days and you need to go and you need to, to not wear uh, clothing that is mixed linens. You know, anytime you have Jesus plus something, you have nothing. You need to remember that because when somebody comes along and they tell you, well, you know, you accepted Jesus, but you know, you still go and watch them movies. Or, hey, you know, I've actually, we've had people in our lives that was like, well, you wear makeup. Or you can do anything. You know, I could create a really good list for y'all to live by or not to live by. I mean, I, I could. I could come up with it and say, well, I don't think this is right. Because I live by those standards. And if I live by those standards, as your pastor, you should live by those standards too. How many people would like to sign up for that? That's called a cult. Don't do it. I mean, I'm telling you, somebody comes in and says, well, you can't be a part of the group if you don't do these things. Then you get the heck out. Okay. I mean, I'm just telling you, this is the kind of stuff that Paul was dealing with. Paul was coming into a place and they had all kinds of idols and they had all kinds of stuff. And Paul said, chunk them because Jesus is Lord. And they got saved and they got set free. And all of a sudden the Judaizers come in and they tell them, hey, you need to follow the law as well. And when they did that, Paul comes back and says, hey, I've got a problem with that. And he spends the next chapter, chapter 11 and 12, talking about all the things that Jesus had went through and he had went through in order to preach this gospel. And he was not going to change for anybody. Amen? In fact, in verse 22, it says, Are there Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israeli? Well, so am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Verse 23 says, And are they ministers of Christ? And then he says, I speak as a fool. I am more. In more in labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Now, I want you to understand something about what Paul is telling you here. Paul is saying, Hey, I'm in Christ, and because I'm in Christ, people don't like me. How many people know that when you signed up to be a Christian, there's going to be people who don't like you? This is going to happen. Well, you're one of those Christian people. Yeah, I am. And, you know, if you don't like me, that's fine. But this is what I want you to understand about this. Paul himself said that he went beyond. In fact, I'm going to tell you what. We have never understood what Paul went through. Anybody who believes they understand persecution, this is what Paul's talking about. And it says in verse 24, and it says, From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. By the way, in the Jewish, if you go back and look at the Levitical law, if you punish someone and you give them 40 stripes, they are exonerated the rest of their life if they live through it. That was the reason why all these people were like 39 stripes, 39 stripes, 39 stripes. Do you know that Paul took 39 stripes? Jesus, did he get beat by Jews or by Romans? Romans. They beat, they beat him until they got tired. There was no 39 stripes. Everybody that says, well, Jesus got 39 stripes. Jesus did not get 39 stripes. Jesus took stripes until they, they just kept rotating people to beat him. 
See, if he'd been in the Jewish, if the Jews had actually punished him, he would have been let go. They would have let him go. They wouldn't have put him on the cross. See, that's why I believe that Satan did what he did is because he wanted Jesus to die. And he put him in the Romans because there was mercy that God had written in the law. Verse 25, it says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I have been in the deep. That means that a day and a night he spent on the ocean floating around. Now, I got news for you. Most people would have said, I'm done with this Christian stuff. Good night. What do I got to do? But you know, Paul was doing what the Lord had called him to do. And he was continuing in his purpose. And you know, it's kind of funny. Every time Paul just continued, it, he would just make it through all this stuff. You know, I also take a little bit of this that Paul was bragging a little bit too. Because how many people would like to be able to go around and said, yeah, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been done, and they couldn't kill me. How about that? See, God wants you to have some bragging rights too. I think it's, I think it's great. Next week we're going to do a testimony service. And you know, we're going to have a testimony service because there was a test and then you got to say something about it. But without the test, you just have a moany. Oh, well, it's just hard. It's so hard. And you know what? I've been to some services where people were doing testimonies and it was nothing but the moany. It was, oh, it's been hard. And God has, he's seen me through it. But, oh, I just, I'm so tired. That's not a testimony. That's just, I moaned and I cried and I whined. I've got some other colorful words that I could also say too. Because... That's not a testimony. A testimony is exactly what he's saying right here. I went through it and I'm still moving. I'm still going. God is good and I'm going to continue. That's what we have here is a testimony. And it says right here in verse 26, In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, and in perils among false brethren. Even Christians would turn on him. He would think, hey, I'm going into a place where there's Christians. And they'd be like, Brother Paul, that's really good. And then all of a sudden they'd stab him in the back. They would stone him. They would do things to him. You know, most people would have a complex. Most people would already left. Well, they talked bad about me at that church. <laughs> Paul had everybody talking bad about him. Paul did not have a good moment in his ministry. He'd have something good happen, and all of a sudden he'd get stoned. He'd have something good happen, and all of a sudden they'd put him on a ship, and he would get sunk. You know that this is one of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand is that God created us to be resilient. He did. Amen. He created us to be resilient. And well, those people talk bad about me. It doesn't matter what they said. Do you believe it? See, I think a lot of times when people say this kind of stuff, they actually believe what was said. Ooh, goodness. That, that's hard. That's hard because a lot of times when people say stuff, there's an ounce of truth in it. And that's one of the problems that when we see ourselves 
the way other people see us, we will believe what other people say over what God says about us. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 27 said, tiredness, hunger, and unrest. That one right there would have gotten me. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I had no rest. You know, that's pretty bad. But I want you to see what I wrote over here because this was the thing the Lord put on my heart so, so strongly was that Paul lost his heritage. He couldn't even go back to the Jews. He was a, he was a Pharisee. He couldn't go back to those people. He would, have been, he would have been cast out even if he did. So he lost everything. He went from Pharisee to prisoner. And Paul died more than once. Paul didn't have a home and no one liked him. You know, that's one of the things that I think, you know, we need to as Christians is to understand that Jesus created the church so we could go find people that would like us. Because, you, you know, and some of y'all may have heard me talk about this, but love is I choose to love each other. Even if I don't like what you're doing, I get to choose you. That's love. But see, like is Wow, I see something that Jamie and Mike and I see JR and I see Matt and I see Betty and, and I like them. That they, they embody something that I want. I see something in them that I want. That's what like is. And see, that's one of the things that we have to understand is that love is a choice, but like is, hey, there's something that we have in common. See, Paul didn't have that. He was, he was the trailblazer for the church. And this is, this is something that I, you know, I look at apostles. Man, there's some tough folks. In fact, most people don't like apostles. Have you ever been around people who actually went and started something? I, I look at this. The CEO of the company I work for, he just retired. He's now the, the board. He's over the board. I've met him several times. He is so driven that if you're not the same way, you can't be around that man because he will run you over. He'll run, run you out. And I've been around him multiple times and he was, he was a good guy, but you know what? He is thinking about the next thing. There's 15 things that need to happen in the next five seconds. That is in his mind. Well, that was Paul's. We need to get the church started. We need to get people saved. We need to get people healed. We need to get people set free. And he was just constant, constant, constant. You know, I believe Timothy was probably going, good Lord, what did I get myself into? I got this madman that tells me all the time, we've got to do, we've got to do, we've got to keep going, we've got to keep moving. You know, that's, that's something that I think in our own lives we go, well, I would, you know, what I would have loved Paul. I would have liked Paul. You probably wouldn't have. Paul was, I mean, he was driven. Paul had been like, hey, you want to go get on a ship with me? And I'd be like, no, because the last three times you got on a ship, you, you went into the ocean. Why in the world? And I mean, these are the kind of things that you need to understand. Everybody would be like, man, I'd really like to have hung out with Paul. Paul would have said, hey, we're not going to sit down and talk over coffee. Let's go out here and witness to somebody. And in between witnessing, I'll tell you how I do this. Oh, see, we need to understand something. I'm not telling you you need to be like Paul. What I'm telling you is you need to be like God told you to be. God told Paul to go do something. That was not what he told you to do. Now, there may be some people who are like that. 
And I've met some folks, and they go to these different countries, and they're everywhere all the time, and it's great. But you know what? You need to understand that in all of these things, Paul didn't, Paul didn't go, what, what's God going to get me into now? It wasn't the way it was. In fact, continuing on in, in um, verse 28, it says, Besides other things, what comes uh, upon me daily? My deep concern for the church. Who is weak? I am weak or I am not weak. And he was saying this as a question. So he's asking this thing. Am I weak? Do I have, do I have problems? And then he goes on to tell us about some of those. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast. And this word boast is, is the word in Greek for uh, either a good or bad sense of glorifying, bragging, or boasting. I mean, it's the same thing. And it says here, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. My, my infirmity is a weakness. It's, it's any kind of weakness. It's not, I, I have a sickness specifically. It was, I have a weakness. I have something that makes me weak. Now, you just looked at Paul and you saw all the things that he went through. And if you had thought, well, Paul's weak and he made it through all of that stuff, you would probably say to yourself, yeah, right. Paul's a pretty tough dude. I mean... I got news for you. I've not met any man that was that bad to the bone. Do you know that I believe right here, Paul, when he goes into this, he is trying to specifically point out that he had weaknesses even though he had went through all this and he overcame them. He was trying to say, I'm not gifted above you. See, if you don't take that out of this, then you're going to miss the whole point. Paul was not bragging about himself. He was saying that I'm not better than you. I don't have a special gift over you. I am just a man, just like you. And God took me through all of these things. And I boast in my infirmities, my weakness, because I'm wanting you to know that this kind of thing is what I have to deal with myself. In fact, it says, if you go down, so all of this is one letter, by the way, in, in 2 Corinthians, there was, you know, until St. Jerome and them came along and actually gave chapter and verses, there was no chapter and verse. So this is just one continuous letter. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 3 through 7, it says, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was called up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not, uh, which is not, un, I'm sorry, which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. See, I want you to understand. Paul told you back over here in chapter 11 when he went through and said, here's all the things that have happened to me. Here's all the... Here's all the, the shipwrecks and the beatings and the being striped and, and all the things that happened to me. Those are my infirmities. In fact, the person here is Paul that went to heaven and he was stoned to death. You know, 
there was actually several times where Paul would go into a place, he'd start, he'd start preaching, and all of a sudden he would just be taken out to the edge of the road and they would stone him. And then 15, 20 minutes later, he'd get up and walk back in and start preaching the gospel again. See, this man wasn't deterred. He didn't go, well, heck, I'm just going to knock the dust off of my feet and move on. Paul went back in there and they leave. If you just killed somebody and they walked back in, you think you're going to do it again? They're going to be like, whoa, that dude. That's one of the reasons why Paul and Silas goes into the place and they call him Zeus and Hermes and all this stuff. It's because they wanted, they were like, whoa, that dude, we've heard he's dead and he walks around. He's a god. See, this is one of the things that Paul is trying to say is that, nope, I'm not any different than you are. In fact, I'm the exact same as you. And it says here, in verse 6, it says, for, through, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees in me to be or to hear from me, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest that I be exalted above measure. Now let me ask you a question. If you had to pinpoint what Paul's thorn was, it didn't say, well, I got an eye disease or my ankles are bad or any of that kind of stuff. It said it was a messenger from Satan. Now, I will ask you this question. If you have been through shipwrecks and been beaten and had died multiple times and had all these other things, do you think that some of your problems that you would have had, the the thing that constantly buffeted you was that it's going to happen again? See, the messenger from Satan was a constant, you're not doing it. You're not getting it done. You're going to die. You're not going to fulfill what God's telling you to do. You're not going to be the man of God that you have been called to. See, it was constant. Because he was constantly being just put in front of just magistrates and and people beating him and calling him out and calling him names and doing things. You know, if you were the most hated man in the world, you'd have a complex I mean, I, I'm, I'm being honest. If, if everybody that you talked to just said, you're stupid, you're ugly, you know, and it was constant. Nobody ever said, I love you. Nobody ever said, hey, I like you or anything. And every time people saw you, they would go, Ugh, get away from that guy. <clears throat> well, I'm going to tell you, this was Paul's infirmity. This was the thorn in his flesh. Because guess what? What is the flesh? It's the five senses. What I hear, see, taste, smell, and feel. It's my body. It's the thing that, well, my body wants people to come up and give me a hug and tell me, I love you. You're doing good stuff, Dusty. You know, you're doing good stuff, Carol and Matt. Well, that sounds a whole lot better than, stop it. I don't like anything you're doing. I mean, that would, you would start going, well, I guess I better stop it. I don't, I don't know what to do. 
Well, if that was what your flesh continually told you over and over and over and over and over again, well, guess what's going to happen? You are going to have a complex. And this is just one of those things that I think is kind of interesting because in verse 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is the same thing, same word as infirmity. This word's interchangeable. In fact, if you go look up this word, you will end up finding out that this anathesis, this word right here was used a lot to say infirmity or weakness. And one of the things that we need to understand is that God himself says, hey, my grace is good for you. You're going to be all right. You know, God's told me multiple times, you're going to be all right. I'd go, God, take me out of these people. I don't want to be around these people. I don't want to do these things. God, you know, move me to a different job. I got a bunch of Satanist weirdos that I'm working with. I mean, you know, they, all they want to do is talk about drinking and smoking and, you know, doing all kinds of bad stuff. And I remember being in a place and the Lord said, you're going to be all right. <laughs> okay. And you know what? The moment I started standing up and being the man that I was supposed to be, you know, they still went and did all that stuff. But eventually they started going, you know what? There's a respect I have because of what you did. There's a respect because you said no. You know, I would go on these trips with all these people. And they, I mean, when the company's paying for it and there's all these different things, man, the booze comes out. It's just, it's lined up. I remember one time we got in the most trouble. And I was the, there was only two people. It was my manager and me that did not get in trouble. And it was because we went to a Motorola thing. I was working for Southern Link. We were up in Schaumburg, Illinois. And we went to this, it was a, I guess it was, it was like one of these um, Brazilian steakhouses. Have you ever been to like, you know, Fire Brazil or, or, or the place, Texas Day Brazil or any of these places? Well, this place was up there and it was nice. I'm talking about it was nice. And, and believe me, I got my weakness on. It, they were giving me meat like it was nobody's business, but it was all for one price. Well, I was sitting at, at tables. There was like five tables, and Motorola paid the whole, the whole meal. But guess what? People started going, well, you know what? I'd like to have a dessert port, and I'd like to have this, and I'd like to have that. Well, the, the meal went from being like eight or $900 for all the people that were there to over $10,000. And I come in after we had flown back from Chicago and I get back in and my manager goes, let, let me just tell you, there's going to be a meeting and you don't have to go to it if you don't want to. And I said, what, what is it about? And he goes, you know all the alcohol that was there and the people that were doing all this? And I said, yeah. He goes, Motorola complained because they paid that bill. So I got to not be chewed out. <laughs> so I went and sat at my desk and I did my work. And you know, one of the things that happened out of that 
And you may say, well, everybody thought I was the, you know, I was the, the rat or whatever because I didn't do it too. But I had people come up and go, man, you were the smart one. Because everybody got written up for it and they, <clears throat> believe me, there was things taken out of their check and it was even across the board. So you go and you take 20 people and you take $10,000 out of their checks evenly, you do the math. See, this is one of the things I want you to understand is that everybody, I didn't have one person come up and say, well, you just didn't you know, stay with the group. No, 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 they were like, man, you were smart. You stayed out of the fray. See, this is, one of the, this is one of the things I want you to understand is that God blesses us. Now, we ain't always going to be popular. We ain't always going to have the things, but God himself, he will make his grace sufficient for you in every situation. When you're weak and you're thinking, God, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this, God. I don't know. And he goes, just keep going. Just keep moving. If you'll just keep moving, when you come out on the other side, you won't smell like the smoke. Everybody else will be burned up, but you will be perfect in my grace. See, this is the beauty of what's happening here, is that he was boasting in the fact that God's grace gave him so much sufficiency that when he came out of it, he got bit by the, he got bit by the serpent in the fire. And guess what happened? He threw it off. And they went and told the story that the man lived. And guess he saved the, the king's or the, the magistrate's daughter. I don't know if y'all remember that in Acts. But see, this is one of the things that I want you to understand is that God himself gave him so much favor because he just said, you know what, I'm going to keep moving. All right, so... Just like Paul, we have some times where we complain to God. That's okay. You know, God's big enough to be able to take your complaints. But don't make that your whole prayer. Okay? You need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. <clears throat> There's a difference between praying and complaining. You need to figure it out. You know, one of the ways that I do it is whenever I say, God, I feel. If I use the word I feel, then it is a complaint. But if I go, God... Your word says, oh man, if you start out, God, your word says that by his stripes I am healed. Well, then that's the prayer. That's going to get you over the top. It's going to put you in the next place. Oh, you give me a peace that passes all understanding that's in my heart and my mind. And you know what? Every time I go for my feelings, the Holy Spirit will be going, I'm waiting. When are you going to start praying the word? And then all of a sudden I start praying the word and then I get a release. I don't have to pray anymore. You know, my prayer time goes way down when I quit complaining. I mean, God doesn't need to hear over and over and over again a good prayer. He just needs for you to speak it into the world. He needs you to speak it into your life. Once you've done that, you just move on. Now you can thank him. But my prayer life goes like this. I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden I just the Holy Spirit reminds me to thank God for something. I thank him. Guess what? Something's going on in my life or I hear something about one of y'all and I go, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that by Christ Jesus stripes that they are healed. And I believe that they're overcomer in Jesus' name. And I walk on because guess what? I believed it and I moved on. 
I'm not saying, Lord, you know, if you would just take a moment out of your busy just existence. You know, God's existence is holding the universe together. There is no time where he's busy because he's got everything in his hands. You know, now this is where my geek side comes out. But science actually says they don't know how all the molecules are being held together. And they find that there's this thing called dark matter, dark energy. And it's holding everything together. Well, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. That's God himself saying, I'm keeping it all together. You know, this new telescope that they just, and I could go on for a long time about this. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to rein it in. But this new telescope, the James Webb telescope that they put out there, they're starting to find out that the Big Bang Theory is a false thing. Because they said, hey, way, way where we think the Big Bang should have happened, there should be all these stars that are about to die or have died. And it's based upon the, the radiation level that happened between a star that is, went supernova versus a young star. And so when you go and you read this research, they're starting to find that every single galaxy, as far away as you can find, has supernova stars in it, and they have young stars. And they said, it's almost as if somebody created every single galaxy all at the same time with the same, with the same material. Wow. I wonder who that was. I don't know. I don't know, scientists. Y'all go on. But see, this is the thing. The fine-tuning of the universe is one of the things that I know without a shadow of a doubt that most scientists go, yeah, when they start talking about fine-tuning, I can't say much because they know it. They know it to be so. All right. Remember that God's grace um, is the gift of his kingdom. You know, I look at grace and gift as, as interchangeable. When, when the Bible says grace, I just look at it as the gift of God. If you do that, then you're really easily going through the Bible and going, oh, these are things that God graced me. He gave me a gift. It's like Christmas. He gave me the gift. I didn't have to give him the gift. And whatever, whatever God says uh, about you, you can do it. Whatever God puts in your heart, you can do it. Whatever God's doing, guess what? He's had it for you. In fact, Paul, towards the end of his life, you know, he was writing a love letter to the Philippians. And, and I love Philippians, the book, because it is so expansive of how he thought about the churches. See, when he was doing 2 Corinthians, it was like 10 years before all this. He'd been going through all this stuff. Well, 10 years later, he'd been in prison and he'd had all this time. You know, I think sometimes Paul, God used prison as a way to give Paul a vacation. You know, think about it. If you've been out there and you've been like, you know, floating around in the ocean for a couple of days and all of a sudden you get all the way up to the, you know, Nero's got you in a house. Well, you can just sit there and just pray and do whatever you want to do. It was a little bit like a vacation. And they go, well, didn't Nero kill him? Well, I mean, everybody's got to die at some point. I mean, but he got the last like five, six years of his life, he just got to go live in a house for free. 
He got all his friends to come in. Then Nero went crazy and killed him. Well, guess what? It was pretty quick. It was done. I don't know. I think about those things and I go, that's actually not too bad, you know, if you really think about what's happening. But I love Philippians because it was the love letter. But he was telling them about things that had changed in his mind. The whole thing about his life had changed. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, we see it. It says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained or I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind me and I reach forward towards those things which are ahead of me. This is a perfect example. How many people, how many people have heard of baggage, right? Well, they have all kinds of baggage. Well, you know why they have all kinds of baggage? Because people can spiritually discern baggage. Well, they're dragging around. Well, they, they had a drug problem or they had a, an alcohol problem or they, you know, they had all these issues when they were a kid or, or they were molested or they had all this stuff and it's shaped their life. And you go, well then, unless they want to do something about it and let go and leave those things behind, you know, Paul, every single time he would die, besides getting mad at the people who killed him, he would let those things go and he'd go preach to the same people that stoned him. Paul was good at letting go of baggage. See, if I am holding on to something, I can't grab a hold or reach for something else. If we understand that, then we understand that I can't hold my clicker and I can't hold, you know, eventually it's like, oh my gosh, I got all this stuff that's up here. It's like... Well, eventually I just start dropping stuff. We'll clean it up later. But the problem always comes down to that if we don't let go of it, we can't add more things to it. And there's good things to add. See, if we let go of the bad stuff and we start reaching towards the good stuff, then we will find our purpose and our place. In fact, it says here, it says in verse 14, it says, And I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Now, I think there should have been a period right there. Because if you actually are letting things go and you're looking towards the future, he's saying you're mature. Do you see that? You know why? Because how many people know immature people? Right? When you find those immature people, how many, how many of those immature people, and y'all can just start screaming names out if you want to. <laughs> no, don't do that. We would be here forever. But how many people know that most of their immaturity always comes back to something in their past? It's, a, it, it, it's synonymous with it. Their maturity is not like, oh, well, they just never grew up. No, 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 they're staying in the past. They're always pointing back to the good old days. 
You know, I had some people that I knew a long time ago, and they played football with me. And I loved football. I did. I loved playing. It was great. It was awesome. But, you know, they went and did things that I thought, God, you're 30 years old and you play football for nothing. In fact, you're paying money to go play football. And I was thinking to myself, because <coughs> they talked to me and they were like, well, you want to do this? And I was like, I got a family. I'm not going to go do that. You know, the, the thing is, is that the more we just stay in the past, we can't move forward in our future. It's just truth. Maturity has to do with our ability to let go of the things that was holding us down so that we can run our race in the speed in which God needs us to do it. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Nevertheless, in verse 16, Nevertheless, to the degree to which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rules. Let us be of the same mind. Maturity in Christ is having this mindset. God has for, more for me to reach for than what I had to let go of in the past. Amen? Keeping, keep keeping on, reach forward, press towards, and continue on. That is the message that God constantly says throughout the New Testament. Just keep going. Keep keeping on. Keep doing the things. You know, Jesus himself actually tells us the exact same thing. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, and it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, one of the great things about this scripture is that Jesus said, Just keep keeping on, just continue, keep moving, and you put the word in, and then you'll be free. Because the truth. See, the lie is in the past, I can bring all that stuff back. I can bring 1983 back. Can we go back to 1983? You know, we've been watching all these movies with my son because he didn't get to see all these movies from the 80s. And, you know, you just look at all the things that <coughs> they had to deal with. It was a much simpler time in 1983. Now, I know it was a much simpler time in 1973 and 1963 and so on and so forth. You can, you can make arguments about all these time frames. But at the end of the day, all that stuff when, you know, we were watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How many people have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? You know, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I, didn't, I wasn't Ferris Bueller's age until like the 90s, but there was a lot of that kind of stuff that I did. Skipping school, doing all these different things. I mean, it was, it was fun. It was great. It was a much simpler time. But guess what? Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, was his mindset of, I will never get back to this goodness. We will all move on and the future's horrible and we're never going to have anything any good. Today, we've got to make it happen. Well, guess what? <clears throat> I'd rather have today at 46 years old than I would at 16. You know why? Because I was stupid at 16. <laughs> now, I'm sitting here going, man, I look back at my 16-year-old self and I thought, I knew nothing, I had nothing, and I really was a jerk. It's okay, Mom and Dad. I know that, I know y'all would say amen to that. 
But see, this is the thing I want you to understand is that 46, 56, whatever it is, wherever you're going, you keep keeping on. And God has better and better if you let those things go on behind you. All right. I got some things to live by here. There's two things and then I, there's a statement here. Continue in the word. Go to the source. The Bible says yes, but also what is in the spirit is leading you to do. What I want you to understand is that whatever God says that you can do, you can do. Whatever God says about you, you can believe it. If God says that you can be in peace, you can be in peace. If God says you can be healed, you can be healed. If God says that you can be set free, you can be set free. In fact, continue in truth. Do not let it go. Don't let the truth go. And it says, even when no one else believes the truth, stay in the truth. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe the truth nowadays. You stay, you'll be the only one standing for truth if you keep going. But you know what? You'll be the one that's found out to be right. You know, it's kind of fun to be right. So stay in the truth. It's not yours to make people free. It's yours to stay in the truth. Do you know that you can't save anybody? I want everybody to understand this. When you go preach the gospel, if they don't accept Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit's not dealing with them, if there's not something that can go on, you can't do it. You are not God. Do you have God living on the inside of you? Absolutely. But guess what? I know plenty of people that I just plant a seed and I move on because they ain't going to receive it today. See, you stay in the truth and then eventually the truth finds them out. You know, I've never met too many people that when I, you know, that I haven't seen when you start pumping truth into them that it doesn't start changing their lives. I see it all the time. I see it at work. I see it in my friends groups. I see it in everything. I've seen people be in the very bottom basement. You couldn't get them above the ground. Even if you had a crane, they were so far down. And you start pumping the truth into them and all of a sudden it's like they just float out of their circumstance. Well, you know what? If you stay in the truth, you'll always be above the lie. Man, that, that was a good one right there. If you stay in the truth, you'll be above the lie. And it says right here, the truth makes you free. Me free and everybody free. Disciple is not a place in your walk. So you can't come and say, Dusty, I want to be a disciple. Well, you could be Dusty's disciple and I would sit there and make you a list. But guess what? My list is going to be inferior. See, being a disciple of God is, you know, what you continue in when you are in the word. You need to be in the word and a disciple of the word because being a disciple of the word will make the truth come out. It will set you free. It will bring you to a place of peace in your life. And then you are, you are the continued culture of this world. As long as you're standing for truth, then you can set the culture. The culture could be going crazy around you, but you would be the only one that is setting the culture. And guess what? You're going to affect their culture. All right, what does continue culture look like? If you don't quit, then you win. Amen. <clears throat> and Matt, you don't have to come up. That's fine. I know everybody's wanting to go home and take a nap so that, you know, you can stay up and <laughs> kiss someone at midnight and everything, and that's great. 
But do you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go take a nap to take a nap. But I, I want you to understand something that this continue culture is, is not just for 2023. It's not for 2024. This is the thing that we're going to continue with. In fact, I may even teach on this more, but I want you to understand that God himself had, had people and places for you to go and affect. 2024 is going to be a great year. I, I've been saying transition for the last few years. This is actually, I, I, I think we're going to start getting in our groove. I think this is the year of our groove. You know, we're going to start finding the places that we're supposed to be, the things we're supposed to be doing, the, the areas we're supposed to be affecting, and we're going to do it. We're going to continue in it. We're going to make things happen in a way that people haven't seen. Your life is going to be different. We get to 25, I want there to be testimonies coming out of everybody. In fact, I want there to be testimony. If we have to, I'll do testimonies every single Sunday if that's what we need to do. But I want to see people get in their groove. I'm tired of the transition. See, that's when you know that the transition's over. Is that we're not transitioning no more. We're getting in the groove. And we're moving forward in everything God has for us. Amen? Yeah. Man, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father, that we are continuing on with you. We're getting in our groove, Father. We're getting to the place to where people know each and every person that's in here, myself included, that we know where we're going, that we know who we're affecting, and that we are being truth, and we are being this culture of truth and continuation, Father. Father, I pray over each and every person as we go into 2024 that you're giving them goals that you're giving them things to write down. Father, I pray that everybody has their list of the things that they're supposed to do and their goals, Father, and they write them down and make them plain upon tables, Father, just so that the runner themselves can see it and they can run. And Father, I pray over each and every person that you're giving us strength, that in our weakness, in our infirmities, Father, that you are our strength and that you're bringing us to a new heights, and that you're helping us to let go of those things that are behind us and move forward into the goodness of God. And we just thank you for it. We just pray over each person that they're having a great week and having a great transition into 2024. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. If you have any prayer requests or anything, I'll be down at the front. Y'all have a great week and happy 2024.